After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay, then go quickly and tell his disciples. He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you are to say, his his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were still asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to a mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. May God add his blessing on this reading. Right, uh, young people, you're staying up with us today, but if any of you want to do some activities with Emma. Good morning, everyone. Great, great to have everyone here. The Lord is risen. Hallelujah. You're not going to get bored with saying that. It's not going to be the last time this morning. So I'm going to share some thoughts about um, the passage that Sarah's just read to us. We're going to split it into three parts. The first one is, was it true? Was it true? And it's going to be some thoughts about the women at the tomb. I think there's a lot that we can learn there. And then I'm going to give you some thoughts about making disciples. And lastly, that bit at the end of the passage, the great commission, or as it might seem, commission impossible. You've seen what I've done there. Anyway, we'll get to that. So, was it true? Some thoughts about the women at the tomb. Just think about uh, these women, what a long wait they'd had since the crucifixion on Good Friday, and they were waiting to go to the tomb. They know they must anoint Jesus' body, but how are they going to get into the tomb? Because they knew that a stone had been rolled over the entrance to 
um, to the tomb. So when they finally arrived with their prepared spices, they must have been bewildered with what confronted them. Um, there were shocked soldiers in disarray. There was an angel sitting on a rolled-back stone. So they were faced with an unexpected reality. There was no body in the tomb. So when they entered the tomb and they saw for themselves it was empty, the angel's words made sense. They were to tell the disciples that Jesus had risen and would meet them in Galilee. So the women were there to do what was expected of them in their traditional gender role, to anoint the body, to do the personal care for the body. But the resurrection turned that on its head. Um, the women have got a wonderful story to tell us about following Jesus and being faithful. Um, the male disciples don't come out very well after the, about the story of Easter week. Um, they don't come out with much credit. It was a male disciple that betrayed him. Um, they fell asleep, the ones that went with Jesus into the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, keep watch with me. What did they do? They were out of it. Um, and then we read, when he was arrested, then all the disciples deserted him and fled. And then we read about Peter. What did he do? He denied Jesus three times. And at the crucifixion, we read that many women were there watching from a distance. It's only in John's Gospel that we read about the disciple who Jesus loved, uh, who was there, the Apostle John. So, I think we can learn a lot from this uh, involvement of the women about the question, was it true? Was it true? We've got four Gospels in our Bibles, and they all differ in some details. But in all of the Gospels, it is the women that are the first witnesses of the resurrection. Mary Magdalene is explicitly named in all of them. So we could try and harmonize all the accounts and see how it fits. But if you wanted to create a deception, you would get every detail aligned. And um, so the divergent accounts that we have, they do overlap significantly and thus independently corroborate the story of the empty tomb. So was it true? Well, this was a time where the testimony of women had little esteem. The testimony of a man over the testimony of a woman in court, there was no question the woman would not be listened to. But here are, we are told that the women are there to see the empty tomb and to see the angel and the stone rolled away. The guards report about the disciples um, saying that they'd stolen the body. They thought that would command much greater respect. No, no one, you see here, no one had reason 
to invent a story of women being the first at the tomb. You wouldn't make it up uh, like like, uh, many of the details here. And there are some fantastic details. Um, I love the, the detail about the angel sitting on the stone. You can imagine this angel is there on this. It's just such a, an incongruous um, uh, you know, picture uh, that you wouldn't expect to see. There's this angel sat there looking casual on, the, on this big rolled stone and uh, talking to the women and, ca- and causing fear uh, around uh, all those that, that saw the soldiers. So, although the guards witnessed God's power, the angel spoke only to the women. The angel says, do not be afraid to the women, not to the guards that fainted before them. So Jesus, and Jesus appeared after that directly to these, to these women. So Jesus, um, here and, and the Gospels, they transcend gender stereotypes that we might have. The women met Jesus. They worshipped. But, but they were told uh, to go and see the disciples, who Jesus calls his brothers. So he is thinking of them even at this time. So was it true? Um, another suggestion is that it would have been plausible for the women to say they'd seen a ghost. Um, people would... Um, perhaps have uh, thought that was a reasonable thing to say. But we're not left with just these things. Almost all of the post-resurrection appearances that we see, Jesus is not just there as some kind of wispy figure in the background. He speaks to them. He eats with them. Um, He he is a much more uh, real, uh, no question that he was... um, risen from the dead. The empty tomb tells us about what happened, but it is the witnesses of Christ's resurrection that tell us the truth that he rose from the dead on that first Easter Sunday. So was it true? Um, In contrast to the disciples' claims, the report of the guards is just not credible. Stones were rolled away from tombs so that they could be robbed. And if people came to rob a tomb, they robbed the valuable stuff from the tomb, and it was almost unheard of that thieves would take a body from a tomb. I mean, why? Um, it, It would be a shocking thing to say. You could argue that somebody took the body when the guards weren't there, but the authorities particularly put the story about that the guards were there. And uh, that obviously weakened uh, their case. So the guards who saw the angel were ready to betray the truth for money. They were ready to deny the unbelievable to protect their lives. So Matthew lays these two reports side by side, the true and the false forcing his listeners and forcing us to to declare a choice here. Which is true? Is it the testimony of the women or the testimony of the guards? 
So Jesus sends these women to go and bring the news of the resurrection to the disciples. And uh, some thoughts about making disciples now. Uh, unlike ancient, other ancient teachers, Jesus' disciples didn't raise disciples for themselves. Do, do you get the picture? In, in a lot of ancient culture, the Greek philosophers, when they had disciples, they were getting disciples for their argument, for their philosophy. Or the, the Jewish teachers were getting disciples for their particular brand of, of Judaism. But when uh, we make disciples for Jesus, um, I'm not standing here saying you should be a disciple of Andrew Gorringe. What a, a kind of crazy and strange thing that would be. Those of you who don't know me, um, for the last 40 years or so, I've been doing research into vaccines, so I could tell you about my favorite diseases and how you should believe that they're really important and really interesting. I could tell you about um, the kind of technical stuff about guitars, the, the difference between a 1960s custom Telecaster and a 1970s thin line or something like I could tell you all this stuff if I wanted you to be a disciple of me, but I don't. Like these uh, first disciples, they, they were drawing people to see the truth of the resurrection, to be baptized, and then to learn what that involved in discipleship. First of all, people were confronted with the truth about Jesus. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They were baptized. We believe in baptism here, immersion in water, marking the start of a journey. You don't have to know all the answers um, to be baptized. And and then it's about learning, learning about Jesus and his love. None of us would say we are experts and know all there is to know about the love of God. Getting some nods of agreement on that. We have all got a lot to learn. There is a lifetime and beyond of learning about the love of God. And that's what we want people to do. Um, as part of this church, learning more as we, as we uh, walk with Jesus and try to live more closely to what he wants us to do. So there's some thoughts about disciples and, and what Jesus said in the Great Commission. So let's think about that. The Great Commission, is it a commission? Is it commission impossible? Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The gospel closes with a promise. As Jesus' disciples carry out the Great Commission, he will be with them to the end of the age. So if many Christians have lost a sense of Jesus' presence and Jesus' purpose 
it may be because we've lost sight of the mission that our Lord has given us. If we would be his disciples, we must prepare the way for our Lord's second coming. We must prepare the way for people to come to know Jesus and be and learn how to be his disciples. Jesus empowered the women to be the messengers of his good news. He tells them not to be afraid. They went to tell my brothers, as Jesus called them. If we know God's power and new life for ourselves, we are witnesses, each one of us, of the resurrection. It doesn't depend on our background, our position, our gender, our age, our culture. God anoints us today to share the calling of the first eyewitnesses to prepare, proclaim the good news of Jesus' love and the power of his resurrection. So this links to the first disciples, those 11 who Jesus met in Galilee. To say that it seemed a tall order to them is quite an understatement, isn't it? These were 11 men who'd hardly been out of quite a small geographical area um, and they were confused, they were doubting, they were uh, uh, really struggling for how to deal with the events that had happened. All, but Jesus said to them, all authority on, in heaven and on earth is given to you. Jesus spoke to those who believed and those who doubted. His commission is not based on the strength of his followers, and that's a pretty good thing, isn't it? Because if it was, it would have the message would have died out in weeks. You know, when something's not a hot news story, it's quickly forgotten about. Um, but it wasn't. Within a hundred years, the message of Jesus, his resurrection, his love had spread all around the Mediterranean world. Within 200 years, it was right across the Roman Empire. And now there would be very few people in this world who have never heard the name Jesus. There are many who don't know his love and the power of his resurrection. But there are not many that have never heard the name. So his, his name has spread um, around this world. Without all authority in heaven and on earth, it's the same for us as a church. We kind of think, what can we do? We're just a few people here in Wilton. Is it commission impossible for us? So I just encourage you to put aside the things that so often um, occupy us in a church. It's whether we don't like this or don't like that or can't cope with something being slightly different. But remember the Great Commission and that we are to be part of that. And Jesus says to us this morning, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. The Lord is risen. Jesus is risen Hallelujah. Hallelujah.